morning, Antioch Brighton. This is Mark, the pastor, and we're continuing in our series today out of First and Second Samuel, key stories from the lives of three kings that give us lessons about authority, give us lessons about how to serve others, how to walk underneath God's authority and underneath what it means to receive a calling from him and to walk that out. So the background is that Saul is now the king of Israel. Samuel is the prophet of God. And we've seen a couple of examples in his foolish decisions in, in chapters 13 and 14. He's impatient with God. He makes rash vows. It's actually his son Jonathan that emerges, emerges as the one who's brave. But Saul takes the credit for that. So Saul's a picture of of leadership that has emerged into a high position and not dealt with the deeper issues in his life. He doesn't have a root of intimate relationship with God because we see that he does not value the word of the Lord. He doesn't fear God. Instead, his focus is on pleasing people. And in this story, I'm going to draw out a key principle that God is looking for in our lives. That is, the fear of the Lord, not our religious ceremonies. Samuel says to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice in Israel of this time meant to sacrifice an animal in Israel's ritual worship to God. It wasn't like uh, a sacrifice in the sense that we think of, oh, that was difficult. It was actually giving the life of an animal. And obeying God's word is more important than that worship service. It was what, that's what that was. When they gave that animal, it was their worship. So obeying God is more important than going to church. It's not the outward that God is looking at. He is looking at the heart. So here we are in 1 Samuel and this is the first test of authority. This is a, a key test. This is a major test of, this, of the king. He's serving the people. His, uh, he's to protect the people. But his priority should be God. To honor and serve and obey God. Now, First, I want to define what the fear of the Lord is, because I'm going to be talking about that. The fear of the Lord is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. In Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And God hates sin because it separates us from him and it hurts other people. The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God and the last six are about our relationship with people. So that's why those commandments are there, so that we can love him and love others, honor others. To fear God is to be aware that God sees everything. Hebrews 4 talks about this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. So we fear him, we reverence him, we honor him, by knowing that he is the ultimate judge and is completely sovereign. He is big and powerful and all-knowing and 
loves us. That all-knowing means he knows everything about us and his character also is amazing that he loves us. And we don't understand this very well in a democracy because we complain about leadership as a sport. But to have true spiritual authority, you must walk in the fear of the Lord. You must be more conscious of him than you are of the voices of everyone around you. So often we are aware of God, but we're really impressed with the devil. We're really impressed with this world. Instead, we need to be aware of the world, aware of the devil, aware of the things of this life, but impressed with God. To have the authority of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your life, you have to revere God with your words, your thoughts, and your actions. But in this story, we see that Saul does not fear God. He fears man. He's actually afraid of his followers. So what is the fear of man? The fear of man is to put people's opinions above God's opinions. It's to put our need for approval or fear of disapproval of people as the priority in our life. Our need for acceptance, this bowing to peer pressure to not offend people or to not stand out in some way. Or it's this like overwhelming, we all have a need for honor, but it's something that if it drives us in an unhealthy way, that's the fear of man. Or this strong fear of criticism or afraid of humiliation, that's the fear of man. None of us want to be humiliated. We don't want to be criticized. But if that is what's driving you, you are being controlled by the fear of man. Um, so here's their story, right? We're in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And uh, I hope you can read through this entire uh, chapter. I'm not going to read it uh, word for word. I'm just going to highlight certain aspects of it because we don't have a long time for uh, uh, this online message. So a major point of obedience is given by God through Samuel to Saul, the king. But Saul does not completely obey. It's a test of his faith, submission, and obedience. And what he does is he kills, he's told to annihilate a nation. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But he doesn't do it completely. He actually saves the best of the animals for himself and his men. And then he lies to Samuel about what he did. <laughs> and when he's confronted, he admits his sin, but with no real grief. And he asks to be forgiven, but he's saying, but still on me in front of the people. He says it in one sentence, back to back. So what is his focus? Is he grieving his sin, or is he just afraid he's been caught and he just kind of wants it to push it to the side? Let's read this. First Samuel 15. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now, there's a lot you can study on that, the history behind the whole Amalekite situation. 
But uh, he says, now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Now, the people definitely get stuck here understanding, you know, what is the point? This is genocide. We have to see the larger picture. Overall in history, God's plan with Israel was to create a unique expression of himself through a people so that the world would know him. And this required purity and not a mixture with all of the other religions and the peoples and the cultures in this area. And God's goal was to have a land that was 100% given over to worshiping and obeying him, not all these other idols, so that the world could see who he was. It was not hatred, but purity that was the purpose of this. And the application that we have for today, for our lives, is that God loves us, but he hates sin because sin distorts our relationship with him. So, this point of obedience, and that's what we're focusing on. Again, I'm not going to answer all the other questions. Hopefully that was helpful a little bit in what I just described, God's desire for purity. But the issue is obedience in Saul's life. There's an important task he's been given, but Saul only partially obeys. In verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they destroyed. So the next step is that Samuel comes in and he challenges Saul in his obedience. Saul comes up and says, I've obeyed the Lord. I've done what God told me to do. And Samuel says, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? So it's a sarcastic statement. Saul says, you didn't do it. I mean, Samuel says, you did not completely obey the Lord. So what is to obey? What is obedience? One of my favorite uh, statements we used to make to our children was to obedience to obey, it must be joyful, quick, and complete. So uh, just give one simple example. If I told my uh, son or daughter to take out the trash and they went, and they, but they took out the trash, have they obeyed? No, because it wasn't joyful. If they say, I'll do it later, is that obedience? No. It's, it's a responsiveness. Yes. It's quick. And what if they took the trash, but they just kind of got it out the front door and just left it on the porch? Is that obedience? No. It has to be complete. So Saul did not obey. It was not complete in what he did. He did not fulfill the task that God gave him. He only did it partially. And after being confronted, Saul defends himself. But I did obey the Lord in verse 20. Saul said, I went on to the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought 
back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of what it was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord. This is interesting. The Lord, your God, as he's talking at Gilgal. But Samuel brings down judgment in the 22nd verse. Does the Lord delight in burnt sacrifices, burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So Saul is saying, <clears throat> or Samuel's challenging Saul and saying, it doesn't matter what kind of worship you do with these animals. You didn't obey the command of God. It totally cancels it out. Saul is more concerned about getting honor than he is about losing the kingdom. We, he goes through this next place where uh, Saul, uh, excuse me, Samuel pronounces judgment on Saul and tells him he's, God's taking the kingdom away from him. And he uh, turns from him and uh, Saul grabs part of Samuel's clothing and it tears it away. And, and Samuel says, God is tearing the kingdom away from you. So at that moment, what does Sam, Saul do? Excuse me. He says, I've sinned. I've violated the Lord's command in verse 24. And your instructions, I was afraid of the men. I was afraid of the men. So I gave in to them. It was the fear of man that was motivating him. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. And in the verse 30, Saul replied, I have sinned. It's, uh, it's a kind of a cycle in the story. I've sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Saul has chosen ceremony over intimacy with God. He's chosen to be seen by people more than to be known by and to know God. So, The lessons here that we draw are that God will test you. He will test us with specific tasks of obedience that are beyond just obeying the Ten Commandments. It's not about what you aren't doing. It's about what you are doing. It's not about saying, I don't do drugs or lie or fornicate. The question is, do you fear God? Is He the center of everything? When he calls you to steps of faith, do you obey him? One of the most important lessons we learn in life, in our walk with Jesus, is who are you looking to in order to get your deepest needs met? Are you looking to Jesus or are you looking to another person or thing or group to get your value and significance? In my life, I have struggled with the fear of man. I've had deep 
insecurities about my value. I've had a hard time believing that people really respected me or valued me. Something deep inside of me felt like I was of little value, and I spent a huge amount of my time comparing myself with others. And in this struggle, it it actually led me to several places in my life where I laid everything down before God. I walked away from... Out of, out of obedience, I, I felt that God said, lay down your ministry, lay down your work, and move from this place and go to another place. Leave the ministry that you've built, leave these, the, the depth that you put in here, and go to another place. God asked me, he said, are you building Mark's kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? Are you building my kingdom? And at those points, I... I felt that Jesus was saying to me, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So my own struggle with the fear of man has brought up my great need for the fear of the Lord. And these huge junctures in my life have been places of obedience to go on to, to am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to fear man? Now, what do you want? What do you want most? You know, the, in the world, we uh, people want fame or money or power. And God is going to test our attachments. He'll look to see what you love most. Just like Abraham, even though he received a promise of a future and descendants like the stars of the sky and the sands on the, uh, the ocean that he also called Abraham to lay it all down. Will you give this back to me? Hannah, the first of the story, she wanted a child more than anything, but God said, give that child to me. And that, that's what she did. She said, if I have a child, I will give it to you. And she did. So, how can you fear God? You know, is is your worship really about Jesus? Or is your worship about what you can experience or what you can receive? When we fear God, our worship is focused on what we are bringing to Him. What does God want? In this, when we come together, Lord, what is it that you want to receive from me? Not what we're getting for ourselves. Are you more amazed at God or are you more evaluating the the message and the information and the presentation? Israel's worship was centered around the sacrifice they were bringing, not the quality of the speakers or the singers. How can we respond? Bring your fears to Jesus. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the loss of a friend? Are you afraid of sickness? Are you afraid of pain? Are you afraid of rejection or failure? To fear God 
means to bring all your other fears to him and lay them at his feet. Another response we can have is to take back all of our divided affections and bring them to Jesus. Psalm 86.11 says, Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The psalmist said, God, uh, another translation, unite my heart that I may fear your name. So that to fear God was to bring all of our hearts to him. All the places it was taken, uh, given off to and different affections. Lord, I bring you my whole heart. Today I want us to take some time to repent of our fears. Father, forgive me for fearing the loss of things more than the eternal loss of souls that I meet each day. Father, forgive me for caring more about what people think than what, a, what you think. Lord, know me. <laughs> I recognize that you know me from the inside out. So we're, we're just going to take some time right now. I mean, I want you to, we're not going to divide into small groups right now. We, we're just going to take some time and, and have a little bit of worship. And I want to ask you, what is it that you need to lay down before God today?